Full Service Radio is supported by Compass, the future of real estate in the metro D.C. area and beyond. Discover more at compass.com. Tune into Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. Hey, you're listening to Pineapple Radio on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Atara. And I'm your other host, Ariel. We are the co-founders of Pineapple, an online-offline community for women who love food. We produce events in D.C., New York, and San Francisco, as well as digital content that celebrates our style, identity, and values through food. And as it happens, that's exactly what we do here on radio, too. Each week, we bring together two women to explore a topic about their shared values and style around food. At the end of the show, we'll conduct a little Spitfire interview to get to know our guests even better and get a deeper look into what and who they pine for. And what is pine for, Ariel? Thanks for asking, Atara. Um, <laughs> pine for is our philosophy uh, that guides everything we do here at Pineapple, which is the idea that celebrating and admiring another woman, woman-made product, women-powered business creates community. And it's the reason why we do what we do. Awesome, and speaking of Pine For, we wanted to take a quick second to tell you about something that we pine for here at Pineapple. In addition to radio events and our blog, we have a newsletter that updates you on the on current events, our latest blog posts, and a list of Pineapple Picks, which is essentially a collection of all the things that we've been really excited about in the great big world of women in food. The picks range from restaurants to articles, songs, cookbooks, products. It's essentially a slice of pineapple life. It is really awesome. Um, and if that sa- sounds interesting to you at all, we encourage you to sign up. We hope you'll do it. It's free. You can sign up for it in about 20 seconds at pineapplecollaborative.com join. And before we dig into the theme of today's show and intro our amazing guests who are sitting here with us in the studio. Uh, it's time for our pantry picks. So each week, Atara and I check in with each other about our favorite kitchen products made by women we admire. Why? Uh, because we truly believe that our kitchens are a more accurate reflection of our personal style more than our closets, more than our beauty cabinets. And so, you know, we always have a favorite, if not more than one. Uh, So, Atara, can you share your pantry pick for this week? Absolutely. Um, Something that's always in my refrigerator is Misfit Juicery Juices. Um, So it's led up by a dear friend of ours, Anne Yang. Uh, She's on the founding team of Pineapple. She's an advisor to us and a a personal friend. And they take wasted produce in the supply chain and turn it into juice. It's amazing. The product is delicious. The values are, you know, definitely aligned with ours. Um, And shout out to Anne and Misfit. Uh, What about you? Okay, so I have to say I'm also on the beverage uh, wavelength cool. today. And, um, it's on theme. My pick <laughs> is Unalu canned rosé. Um, and I'm not just saying that because one of our guests is, uh, has a connection there, but uh, it's truly um, some of my favorite wine, let alone 
It is my favorite canned wine. Also love you, Ramona. Um, but, you know, it's different because this is wine from Scribe Winery in Sonoma uh, County, California. And it's made by a husband and wife team. Um, and it's named after their uh, daughter, Unalu. Uh, so I think it's such and a sweet, really cute. Such a sweet story. <laughs> and it's genuinely all I want to drink at all hours of the day. But I'll save that for a different conversation. And it's stylish, too. The can is beautifully designed um, and looks good on the shelf. Yeah. So anyway, first hydrate, you know, get your vitamins and minerals <laughs> with Misfit. And yep. then, you know, switch to Unalu when you're ready to kick back and have a good time. Yeah. Awesome. So look forward to our uh, our picks each week where we talk about products. Um, and now, without further ado, we're going to talk about our theme, our, our theme today on radio. Um, so last night, we had a really great conversation with Kalu Henry and Domenica Marchetti, who we're going to introduce in just a minute. We talked about pasta. So today, we're going to do just the same. We're going to talk all about pasta. And one thing that we've learned through our conversations with Kalu and Domenica is that there's so much more to pasta than meets the eye. There's power, resistance, and a herstory to pasta. So on this episode, we're going to dig into the vast range range of dishes and pastas, plus the role of women in pasta making, and embracing the wonderful riots, not diets philosophy always. So introducing our first guest, we have Kalu Henry. Hi. Hi, Kalu. How are you? She's uh, joined us all the way from Hudson, New York, and has been in D.C. staying at the line for the last uh, few nights. How, how's your stay been? I don't want to leave. I <laughs> think that I, I could live here. My husband and I were saying that earlier today. It's been so lovely to be here. I just keep coming back and eating more meals here and drinking more rosé. So it's been pretty great. Awesome. As it should be. Yes. Yeah. So maybe we have a new DC resident yeah. in the future. But, uh, um, I hope so. Anything is possible. Which would yeah. be awesome because she's got an incredible background. Um, she published uh, her first cookbook um, called Back Pocket Pasta last year. And it is a mouthwatering uh, ode to um, making delicious uh, inspired pasta dishes on the fly if you haven't checked it out already, get your hands on it. We have one here in the studio. And um, I've truly, you know, I've always loved pasta. Who doesn't love pasta? Uh, but I've never fully appreciated how it can be used as a vehicle for beautiful food. Um, you know, I love going to the farmer's market as much as possible and getting my great veggies. And I am now so inspired to, you know, bring vegetables of all kinds um, into pasta, which I always thought you know, veggie dish on the side, you know, next to a pasta, uh, but not bringing it all together. And I think your book has really helped us uh, to expand our pasta vision. Yeah. Pasta palettes. Uh, you know, in addition to that, um, she is a writer, a recipe developer, and the former director of public relations and special projects at Bon Appetit magazine. Um, and so as you have known or you will get to know you know pasta wine travel are not only a part of her profession but also truly her life's passion yes it's <laughs> all true <laughs> so uh we'll we'll be digging in there further um we're also super grateful to have domenica marchetti here with us this afternoon thank you for pronouncing that right yeah <laughs> not many people do I try. <laughs> uh, someone with a name that's hard to pronounce. Uh, 
you know, it's always, yeah. always important. Um, and she is a Virginia based food writer and cookbook author of the pastas of Italy, um, which is an incredible, uh, book of pastas of every variety handmade as well as uh, box pasta and the different varietals and how you can use it and its connection back to Italy. Um, she grew up in an Italian family who, as she says, spent more time at the dinner table debating what they should eat tomorrow rather than politics or news of the day. Sounds like my family. Good advice for anyone, really, if you want to keep your relations. <laughs> your relations. I wish that were like my family. We're always talking politics, but in a, in a place like the D.C. area, you know, it's always a welcome uh, change of conversation. Yeah. Oh to yeah, talk for about sure. Exactly. Food um, and and what gives us joy rather than uh, scary news of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she spent summers in Italy, getting inspired by the local terroir and culture which has shaped her love and passion for Italian food to this day. So we're so excited to have both of you in the house um, here to talk about pasta power and politics with us. Welcome. Happy to be here. Same. All right, so we're going to go ahead and dive right in, if that's all right with both of you. Um, For our first question, we want to get to know you a little better. Um, First, will each of you please introduce yourselves, share your food journey with us, and tell tell us what brought you to food and pasta? We'll lab that at you first, Kalu. Go ahead. Okay, great. (laughs) Um, I sort well, first of all, I grew up um, in a very Italian-centric home. Similarly to Dominica, we all sat around the table and talked about what we were going to be making for dinner while we were eating toasted sesame bread from Arthur Avenue. Um, And it was really just instilled in me from a young age that food was such an integral part of who who I am and, and really part of the family. So I grew up, you know, eating very well, cooking lots of meals with my family um, and didn't really sort of had a roundabout way of getting into food. I actually went to uh, Emerson College in Boston and majored in musical theater um, and moved to New York um, right after graduation thinking that that was what I was going to be doing. I ended up bartending at a restaurant on the Upper West Side and also doing one-woman shows. I did. That's great. I had no idea. Yeah, I was a cabaret singer for a spell. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I know. Kind of crazy. Um, But I didn't have health insurance and I was trying to figure out sort of, I didn't want to be bartending and a friend of mine suggested that I get into PR and really not knowing anything about PR. I said, yeah, that's sure, I should do that. Um, And started out working in fashion PR um, but that really wasn't my jam. And along, they had a lot of fashion clients. It was a company called Full Picture, but they started picking up all these other hospitality clients. And I said, I want to take a food writing class because this is actually what is I'm passionate about, not fashion. I mean, I love fashion too, but it was really something. And I didn't know that you could do that for a living. So I took a food writing class and through that, I ended up working at a um, culinary food and wine agency called Baltz and Company, where I worked with chefs such as Marcus Samuelson, Scott Conant, Kurt Gutenbrunner, a bunch of other amazingly talented people. And really um, honed my writing skills by, you know, doing tasting notes, you know, after dinners and writing recipes for chefs as part of, you know, editorial requests that were coming in. And, um, yeah, ended up, I'll flash forward, working at Bon Appetit for four years where, again, I was able to really work alongside a lot of incredible people um, and all the while sort of cooking and, you know, researching and really just, you know, exploring food. Um, 
And I pitched this idea of back pocket pasta, which I was cooking at home, and it became a buck. <laughs> and it sort of really it utilized all the things that I had been doing all along in a really great way. Like through PR, it was you know producing photo shoots, but I was writing recipes for chefs. And then all of a sudden, like a book is such a it's a project, right? It's not yeah. just writing recipes; it's all of these other things that you don't think that they are. And it played to all those skills. So. That's awesome. And, yeah. and why pasta? Why was that the focus? Well, because I grew up eating so so much of it, and it was a real that for me that was like it was it was passion, you know, mm-hmm. and it was something that also I felt really comfortable playing around with. I think that it once you sort of understand what flavor combinations work well together, you can be playful um, with those combinations, and, and pasta is a really great vehicle for all of those things. Right. And Domenica, you talk about that a lot, how pasta is, you know, a beautiful platform for other foods like vegetables and herbs. And so what do you love about pasta and what brought you to this space? Well, I um, I also had a roundabout way to um, to cookbook writing. My um, I said to the, our, the guests last night that my dirty little secret is that I never went to culinary school, but I did go to Columbia Journalism School. So um, impressive. <laughs> So I, I, um, but I was a newspaper reporter for um, a long time, and when my kids were little, I decided to transition into freelance um, writing, and at that point, I decided to reinvent myself as a food writer, because I spent, oh, more or less all of my free time going through my growing collection of cookbooks, and um, I knew that when I came home from my newspaper job, you know, it was it was more joyful to me to... to pick out what I wanted to make for dinner and I realized at a certain point that I was never going to be you know like a great investigative reporter <laughs> <laughs> because I just would rather be home flipping right. through my cookbooks and cooking but I have to say um so I transitioned into food writing I've written seven cookbooks now and I use my journalism skills all the time in researching um and you know, interviewing food artisans and um, developing recipes and traveling to Italy. And um, and uh, so I express my passion for Italian food through my cookbooks. And one of those cookbooks is The Glorious Pasta of Italy, which came out in 2011, I guess. So it kind of runs the gamut from really simple um, sort of back pocket pasta types of pastas. Um, I have a chapter in there called Pasta on the Run, and that's all every day. Love it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I have another chapter called Labors or uh, Showstoppers, um, and they're real labors of love. You know, they're um, hand-shaped and hand-rolled pastas um, that take some skill, um, but I, I feel like people who love to cook and who love pasta um, would like a spectrum. You want your everyday, what you can put on the table in 30 minutes or under, and then you want your weekend projects yeah. too. So pasta gives you all of that. That's true. I like that. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. It covers all the bases. Yes. I love that. And both of you have developed, I think, really unique, um, almost like cross hybrid ways of like being in food yes you cook but you know you're also writing and you also do PR Mm -hmm. and um, production I think there's like very high production value to um, the work that you both do yeah Yeah. I've started um, doing very small group tours to the part of Italy that my family is from which is Abruzzo and um, and I'm doing my first tour in May to Liguria which is the Italian Riviera which has a really the food in Liguria is like no other. It's really different. It's unique. A lot of herbs and tender greens. Um, 
But yeah, I think when you write a cookbook, mm-hmm. it's not the only thing you do. It's one of many yes. things you do. You're a food entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, right. Maybe a few people can survive on yes. writing a cookbook, but it's <laughs> not really have, the most lucrative. No, you need a side <laughs> yeah. hustle. Yeah, you're con- It's a constant hustle, yeah. I think, unless you're very <laughs> fortunate. Yeah, yeah. I- I'd love to hear a little bit more about that um, since, you know, that is... We don't always get insight into their process of writing a cookbook and how that fits into, you know, your larger career. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Kalu, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, how your cookbook is part of, you know, lots sure. of work that you do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a book is really a passion project. You're committing to to writing about something that you really love. Um, it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily lucrative in the sense where, yes, you get paid to do it, but it's not something that you can live off of um so you know during the the time when you're writing it's also hard to to balance the time because you are writing this thing which takes up a lot of time and brain space and it's also kind of an isolating process um but you do need to make money in the you know on the side so i um i work with i work with scribe winery out in sonoma they are very very dear friends of mine and they're running an incredible food and wine program it's almost like agritourism I would say um and it brings me joy because it also lets me be part of their community too because as I just mentioned writing is sort of an isolating process so I get to sort of dip in and and be on a team and then kind of retreat and then and use that you know time to do writing um but I think being nimble, especially nowadays, is really important. Um, because, yeah, that's a really good word for it, right? actually. Yes. Yeah. And just, you know, trying to be flexible because writing a book does allow you to do lots of other things. You can be writing for other publications. You can be recipe developing for other people. Um, but, yeah, I don't, know if I, I don't know if I answered that question. But Yeah, no, I, I think it's helpful to get a picture of, yeah. you know, how this fits in, sure. you know, your larger work because yeah. this is an element of what you do. But you know, there's so much more that you do as absolutely. well. Absolutely, absolutely. And right. for you, Domenica, what does that look yeah, like? Yeah, it's, it's very similar because um, my career started off in writing. So I do a lot of freelance writing. I write for the Washington Post. I write for Fine Cooking, um, Eating Well, Cooking Light. You know, a lot of these publications, and um, I develop recipes. I have a um, derelict-ish blog that I write for <laughs> when I remember it. Um, so, uh, so I keep you know my website, but I teach cooking classes across the country. Um, I mentioned I'm doing these small group tours. So all of it is in service to um, you know uh, um, promoting Italian food and um, not just pasta but all of Italian cuisine and real Italian cuisine which I think is a mis- or can be a misunderstood sure. cuisine like like a lot of cuisines um, and you know basically anything that gets me back to Italy I'm happy to do I, I, I may have to join that tour <laughs> yeah that's great. Um, and just a reminder, we are talking to two pasta powerhouses, Kalu Henry of Back Pocket Pasta and Domenica Marchetti of the Pasta of Italy. This is Pineapple Radio on Full Service Radio. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit more, more about the lifestyle as you're writing the book. Kalu, you've waxed philosophical about the impact of cooking a bunch of pasta mm-hmm. for this book. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about the impact of you know, recipe testing, cooking, eating pasta, and how that's framed your idea of wellness? Sure. Um, 
I had a hard time. I mean, it was a joy to get this project and to write about pasta, which I love very, very much. But it was also hard on my body. Um, I don't have a lot of restraint (laughs) for pasta. (laughs) Um, And I was, you know, I cooked, I would say, probably 500 plus pounds of pasta over the the time of the book from proposal to, to published just by nature of developing, testing, shooting the recipes. And, you know, I'm, I'm married. I have a husband. We don't have children. So I was making, but I'm making recipes that serve four people. So then you have all of this pasta around. And, um, I put on, I would say probably like 20 pounds, um, over the course of writing the book and didn't really realize it was happening until, um, I had turned in the manuscript and I was like, I kind of really did take a hard look in the mirror and I was like, wow, like this hasn't been good to me physically, you know? And Mm -hmm. I I don't think, I think there's a lot of pressure in general on women nowadays, especially with social media, just to, you know, we write about food, we drink wine, you know, we should celebrate these things, but then, you know, there's sort of this underlying current that you're supposed to also look a certain way, you know, and have it all together. And I think that, um, it can be misleading and that was feeling not good to me either. So I did write a story about it for healthy ish and I did sort of want to start taking care of myself again because it wasn't making me feel good mentally either, you know? So I started, you know, sort of reevaluating what I was eating. I did start eating some zoodles. I started working out, which I don't necessarily love. Although I did discover Pilates and that has changed my view of, I love it. It changed my body. It's, it's, It's a mentally, it's really helpful. Um, and I don't, and I said this last night, but I don't, pasta gets a lot of shame thrown at it. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to have a cheat day or, you know, and I don't necessarily think it should be looked at. Any food should be shameful. Enjoy it. Indulge, you know, but do what makes you feel good. Well, and pasta can also really be um, a healthy meal or healthful Absolutely. meal. Um, Ariel, you mentioned learning about mixing pasta with a lot of vegetables and um clue you just said zoodles i i did a piece for um better homes and gardens last summer all about zucchini and i did one recipe that was um maybe half zoodles and half noodles so i I could never completely give up carbs or pasta but um incorporating more vegetables being judicious with the amount of sauce you use being judicious with your portions i mean if you eat pasta in italy you won't get a plate served to you that's a mountain of pasta with another mountain of sauce on it. Um, the portions are smaller. And uh, so part of it is just about learning how to eat it correctly or eat it so that it, you know, it's not going right. to be a detrimental. It's, it, it's something to enhance, um, you know, your healthy lifestyle. And I actually, for the book, I wrote... Um I didn't do, I did a three quarters of a pound of pasta for four people. I think that, which is, I noticed that. Yeah. And I think that's a great idea because normally it's a pound of pasta for four people. Yeah. But I have a question for you. Yeah. What do you do with that leftover quarter pound? <laughs> that's a really good question. I have like all these like sad boxes that are just like, <laughs> um, so you could probably mix some of them and yeah, cook them together. Yeah, I can mix some of them, and, and then if like I end up buying, or yeah, something. yeah, and then if I end up buying that same shape, I can add that to yeah. the to the leftover. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be mindful, but you're right; you end up with a lot of leftover quarter pound pasta boxes. <laughs> right, right. 
Um, so, you know, we at Pineapple love the idea of riots, not diets, and food freedom. Um, you know, you were saying before about taking away the shame or the guilt um, with eating pasta or eating dessert or eating Cheese bread. Burger. Yeah, whatever yeah. it might be that has negative emotions. Um, you know, the goal is to feel good with what you're eating, and that's a very personal um decision and feeling and tapping into that is certainly I think what we're all trying to do it's hard in this world of social eating mm -hmm. and you know marketing saying this is what you should be eating um, but you know we've had a conversation here on radio about this idea of food freedom and and what we wanted to ask you guys a few questions about it as well um, because at the end of the day you know we at Pineapple are about celebrating women feeling good with food. And it's a very hard thing to do because there's so much history as, and emotions wrapped up into this. And um, just last week at Cherry Bomb Jubilee, uh, which is this incredible conference led by Cherry Bomb Magazine that brings in women food leaders from all over the world, uh, the one and only Nigella Lawson said that for centuries, uh, women have had permission to feed others, but not ourselves. And, you know, when it comes to pasta, you all have talked about this, like in some of our chats mm -hmm. leading up to this conversation, about women's role in pasta making and how that was women, um, you know, whether it's the nona at home or um, women in back of house restaurants making pastas, uh, you know, really in that role of feeding others. So... All that being said, um, I would love for you all to touch on a woman's identity, you know, with eating and making pasta. And, um, you know, how can pasta be a vehicle um, for food freedom? This idea of, you know, celebrating something that we have a desire for and a connection to. Um, and maybe if you found ways to, you know, remove some of the negative emotions. Yeah, I'm thinking here. It's a big question. It is yeah, a big question. I mean, I can talk about, um, you know, I, I really don't feel stigmatized. I like to feed myself, I'm sorry to say, but um, I, no, I, no but I know there is, yeah. there is a lot of pressure. And, um, yeah, what we do is kind of a sedentary um, mm. business when you're sitting and writing for a long time or even just standing in the kitchen cooking. Um, you do develop some good arm muscles, if yeah. you're, you know, kneading and rolling out your own pasta. Um, I do consider it a female food for some reason because um, in all the year, my years um, watching women make pasta, whether it's... Um, you know, family or friends at at the house or um, back of the house uh, in the kitchen in Italian restaurants. I think they really are overwhelmingly women who are doing this work. And um, I know that um, in a lot of restaurants, male you know men now make the pasta. I I think Nigella Nigella also talked about the difference between the way men cook and the way women cook. And men tend to be described as chefs and women tend to be described as cooks and I describe myself as a cook because I did not go to culinary school but I'm happy to you know be a cook and, and not a chef I think there's this um, you know when you're a chef you sort of 
manipulate the food. You have to conquer it. Um, when you're a cook, you're more intuitive. Yep. Um, more flexible. Yeah. So one of my favorite um, measuring measuring terms in Italian cooking is uh, the letters QB, which means quanto basta. So if I'm making pasta, I'm going to be make I'm going to make six eggs of pasta. So I'll have six eggs and um, farina quanto basta, enough flour to make the dough. You know, I, I feel like a lot of recipes now measure everything down to the gram, and um, the intuitive process kind of goes away when you're talking about ratio and this very male way of cooking. I much prefer the intuitive way and, you know, letting my hands feel the dough and, um, and uh, just kind of figuring it out as you go. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, but... I, you know, I do tend to think of pasta as kind of a, um, just something that, it, I don't know, it gives me great comfort and pleasure to make it, and mm-hmm. um, I feel like it's a very feminine thing. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, to your point, I also have no problem feeding myself. In fact, one of the things I enjoy most is cooking for myself when no one else is home, and it's just... it sort of takes on this meditative quality and you can make yourself whatever you want, you know, and you're sort of, and that's sort of looking through and being creative and pulling together ideas and just kind of reaching for things that are, um, in the fridge or in the pantry. Um, but I don't know. There's something that's, um, it's like a little gift to yourself. I, you I know? know. Yeah. yeah. I, when you work from home, I mean, and that's, you know, I feel like it's a luxury that I get to work from home and that I can sort of open the fridge and decide yeah. what I want to make, whether it's, you know, leftover pasta or a fried egg or avocado toast or. Yeah. I actually know, made, yeah. um, a salad, um, last spring called an onion, oniony everything's salad. Cause it had, um, green garlic. It had, Ramps that had all these things with a fried egg on top, and I it was so beautiful that I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna write this down actually, and um, I'm trying. I think I might include it in another project that I'm working on. And I wrote serves one because (laughs) it was for myself, you know, because I work from and that's what I talked about in the head note. I was like, I work from home and I have the luxury of, you know, making myself something beautiful, and um, it was really satisfying. I definitely feel that. You should make yourself something beautiful. Um, it gives you that little sense of accomplishment. It's taking something that's everyday and making it a little bit special. Mm-hmm. So, and that's um, you know some of the, the pasta recipes in your book and the photos mm-hmm. are so beautiful. And I, and that's one of the things I love about pasta is you really can pretty it up. It's so, yes, I t- thank you, and I completely agree with you. It is. It can be a beautiful. It's just a beautiful image. You know? Yeah. So it sounds like one of the ways to bring joy into pasta is like recognizing its beauty, right? Yeah. Whether it's a beautiful shape uh, with butter and salt. So many shapes. Um, yeah. Yes. So or, many. or you know, you have additions like mm-hmm. ramps or a gorgeous vegetable and appreciating that um, as you might with another dish. That's, I think, one way to bring food freedom into mm-hmm. pasta. I think, too, I I love what you said, Domenica, about uh, intuitive cooking of pasta. And I think that, you know, one thing I've been hearing from you, too, is that there's also an intuitive eating to pasta and feeling, you know, how how does your body feel um, and going from there and really appreciating the beauty behind it. Um, We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a minute. And this is Pineapple Radio on Full Service Radio.
instrumental to Sweet Teeth by Odetta Hartman. We'll be right back on Pineapple Radio. Full Service Radio is supported by Compass. Discover Compass, America's first modern real estate company. By pairing the industry's top agents with technology, Compass delivers an incomparable client experience from the first-time buyer to the seasoned seller. Visit them today in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, or navigate compass.com day or night. Hi, this is Pineapple Radio on Full Service Radio. Um, I'm Atara. We are talking to Kalu Henry of Back Pocket Pasta and Domenica Marchetti of the Pasta of Italy. And you guessed it, we're talking all about pasta. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we just spoke a lot about food freedom and the idea of uh, how a woman's identity with food can be really complicated. And what we want to do now is talk a little bit about the history or herstory of pasta. So... Last night, we spoke a little bit at our event together about how pasta making was traditionally a task for the nonas and the mothers in the kitchen, um, enjoyed by all. The recipes were passed down from generation to generation and coveted by everyone in the community. And now what we've seen is that most all-star chefs, not only in Italy, but throughout the world who are making pasta are men. They're capitalizing on the traditions of their matriarchs, essentially. And so... Can, can each of you share your uh, thoughts and ideas on the history of pasta and kind of that complicated um, history? I, you know, I don't have the official history, but I, I can sort of go by the anecdotal um, and what I've seen growing up. And I, I grew up in a female-centric household. Um, you know, I had my parents and I had one sister, and our dog was also female. But my mom... <laughs> My mom had three sisters who never married, and they shared an apartment in Rome. And so there was a lot of women cooking. Um, you know, when my dad, my dad was the guy who made the filet mignon, you know, once yep. a year or whatever. But um, so, um, but I, I just spent a lot of time around women in the kitchen. And in Italy, um, especially in Abruzzo, which still, um, there's a lot of, of rural and um country uh in this region um a lot of the cooking is still done in the family the restaurants are family run the men are typically um front of the house and the women are back of the house one of my favorite restaurants is this little restaurant in the medieval city of sulmona called uh, da gino gino has now passed on but he has you know his two sons adult sons now run the front of the house and they wear these beautiful starched um, colorful shirts and slacks and ties and um, you know and then if you go back into the kitchen you've got um, the three women their two wives mm-hmm. and their mother who are doing the cooking yeah. and rolling out the pasta yep. and cooking the pasta so I feel like uh, in many Italian restaurants this is still the way it is but when you talk about like the Michelin starred restaurants and Massimo Bottura up in um, Modena um, and there's also a three Michelin star restaurant in Abruzzo, which I have not yet been to. Um, those chefs are men. And, um, and then that gets a little bit into what I yeah. was saying about the different way of, of cooking, the, um, you know, the, the mathematical versus the intuitive. Um, me, I am an intuitive cook. I write down recipes, but if I'm just cooking, you know, for myself, um, 
I probably, I make soup a lot. I love vegetable soups and I probably don't ever make it the same way twice. Sure. I use what I've got and, and yeah. I also think too, women are such nurturers that it makes sense, right? That they're the creators. Feeding others. Yes. Yes. Feeding others. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like these guys, not to get all, you know, crazy or anything, but it's like they... (laughs) they can kind of they capitalize on it it's like you know they're going to make it their own it's like you take something that comes from this very organic place of to, to feed or to, to take care to of to conquer it yeah yeah and then the guys come in they're like we're going to do it this way and we're going to make it right you know what I mean and, and I feel like that sort of also goes back to the whole Nigella quote about home cook versus chef and um, that sort of carrying through um, to that as well and this is a phenomenon not just related to pasta, right? Right. Oh, for it sure. It can be yeah. tied to so many other for dishes, sure. specialties, cuisines, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, exploring the feminine versus the masculine, um, sure. you know, whether it's actual gender or, you know, the qualities associated with yeah. those genders is certainly something that, you know, we're exploring. And, you know, how do we celebrate um the more feminine qualities of intuit, you know, this intuition and this Mm -hmm. nurturing and nourishment. And what does that look like, you know, from a business perspective, how can a woman still be intuitive and nurturing while, you know, running an empire? Well, that's a good question. And it's obviously, um, a, a big generalization, sure. you know, that women right. are this and, and men are that. I, I have to say, I've worked with a lot of men, male chefs, and in fact, I'm doing a dinner um, on May 6th with Matt Adler and Alex Levin of Alta Strada, and I've worked with them before, and you know, they are fantastic. And really, every chef I've worked with, male or female, to a person has been incredibly generous and um, dedicated to their craft. Um, but obviously women yeah. can, you know, be intuitive and nurturing and possess business yeah, skills. We've um, got all of the things. Yes. <laughs> I, I would not put myself forth as the best example of business right. skills. I was an English major. Yeah. But, um, uh, musical theater. But, <laughs> yeah. but you know, um, you do what you have yeah. to do. It's true. I, I, I echo that too. I mean, I've worked with a lot of male chefs who have been wonderful. I was talking last night I did a dinner with Terrain um, which is part of anthropology and their chef Robert was just so gracious and you know gave me a a great compliment about being a a succinct recipe writer and um, that just made me feel really great and yeah there's lots of amazing men out there as well but it's true it's hard to find the balance of nurture and business and all these things especially you know, I think actually today's climate is we have more of an opportunity to do that than ever. For sure. Absolutely. And so, you know, a, a part of what we explore on, you know, in Pineapple in general and on radio is, you know, this idea that we are a platform for women to shine. And so, you know, part of what we've really enjoyed about Cherry Bomb and what we've been really inspired by is, you know, they notice that you know, female chefs, women in food are not getting the front page spreads or, you know, you know, front of the magazine or the newspaper. And so, you know, there have been so many women throughout Italian cuisine that have really shaped mm-hmm. what Italian food looks like today. So are there any women in your lives that, you know, you've like recipes you've coveted or women you've learned, learned from that have really shaped your experience around Italian food? I mean, my whole, my family. So, I mean, even just 
the listening to the stories of the cooking. I remember you reminded me of something earlier. My great grandparents immigrated from Italy, you know, back at the turn of you know early 1900s, and I would hear these stories about how my um, great grandmother, my namesake Maria Nicola, would roll out like make ravioli in this tiny tenement apartment for like you know they had seven kids and cousins and everyone was coming over and just like hearing hearing that was just so special to me and then my grandmother my nanny also you know she lived with us growing up I also lived in a very female-centric home and just like watching her cook and watching my mother cook it's amazing what I was able to take away just by watching I realize mm. um, yes, later in life sure. like I you know you find, don't realize it you, at you the time know. but it comes back to you when you need it yeah, yeah you find yourself doing things like oh right that's because I saw this you know my mom or whatever do do that so many times that it just became my own without even realizing it. Yeah, I have a similar experience. My mother has been my muse. She does not cook anymore. She's quite old, but she was a wonderful, intuitive cook who, you know, she worked as a substitute school teacher and then a full-time school teacher, but she always put wonderful dinner on the table. She came to the U.S. as a young woman in her 20s in the 1950s and met my dad on a blind date in New York and decided Amazing. to stay. But <laughs> yeah, I think, awesome. you know, for her, cooking was um, a link back to her childhood and her um, youth in Abruzzo. And, um, you know, she made um, Abruzzese cuisine. She made spaghetti alla chitarra, which is um, kind of the signature pasta from that region. But she also um, cooked from Adaboni and other, um, uh, I guess, Italian uh, cookbook authors of of the day of the mid twentieth century, and um, so a, a lot of my inspiration comes from her. Um, I love some of the young Italian cookbook authors now. Um, Julia Scarpaleggia, who has a blog called Jules Kitchen, she's uh, it lives out in the country in Tuscany, mm-hmm. takes beautiful photographs, huh. and so I I love her, her blog. Um, there's a British woman, Rachel Roddy, who yes. lives in Rome. And is a columnist for The Guardian. And uh, she's, you know, very um, wonderful writer, uh, very evocative, um, simple home cooking recipes. So I really gravitate toward that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, I echo all of those. Although I don't know Jules' Kitchen, you said? Yeah, Jules' I'm, Kitchen. J-U-L-S. I'm going to yeah. check that out. But Rachel Ronnie, I love, too, and very she, much. Jules does her blog in English and Italian. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. Also, Sky McAlpine just released a book. She's a, um, a woman. She lives in half the year in Venice and half the year in London. And her book is called, um, oh, my goodness, At My, at my Table. My, Venice table. I don't remember. Sorry, now, of course. My table in Venice. That's what it's called. (laughs) Um, And that just came out um, with Clarkson Potter. um, And it's beautiful. um, And it's it's Venetian cuisine. And and she has a beautiful, actually, Instagram account as well. Um, Oh, that's great. Yeah, she's wonderful. Yeah, do you mind mentioning the Instagram accounts of Jules as well as Rachel, Domenica? Yeah. um, Rachel... Her Instagram is, it might be at Rachel Roddy or at Rachel Eats. Um, I think it's Rachel at Rachel Roddy. Okay, it's yeah. at Rachel Roddy. And then uh, Jules is at Jules Kitchen, J-U-L-S Kitchen. Yeah. And then Sky is just at Sky, Sky McAlpine. Cool. I think Rachel Roddy is at Rachel Alice Roddy. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank we you. just looked it up. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you we're both wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. <laughs> Always good to know yes. for folks who for, want to yeah. follow along. Exactly. Um, so... 
Focusing on Italy now, both of you have intimate experiences with Italy, given your family heritage, as well as traveling there uh, multiple times. And I think that really comes across in both of your work. And I think it's part of what I love so much about Italian food is the connection back to Italy as a country. And it's incredibly diverse from a geographic standpoint, and the cuisine reflects that as well. Um, so we'd, we'd love to dig into this a little bit more. And the first question is really, you know, what do you love about Italian food? And how has that impacted the way that you live, eat, and cook, and maybe even shop for food as well? Yeah. Kalu, I'm going to start with you. Oh, okay. Um, will you say the last part of the question again? Yeah, so um, what do you love about Italian food? Oh, that's um, the most basic then, question. <laughs> no, and, but the, the follow-up was yeah, how has that impacted, you know, you don't live in Italy. Right. Um, so how has that impacted the way you live, eat, cook, maybe mm-hmm. even shop here yeah. in the U.S.? I think for me personally, there's a lot of nostalgia tied to the cooking and um, that has sort of stayed with me my whole life. Um, and in terms of shopping, I mean, I think that one of the things that the cuisine of Italy does best is simple food prepared, like the best ingredients just showcased really well. So whether that's, you know, buying bitter greens at the market or um, pancetta, just I feel like just simple is best in that situation. So it does sort of impact me. I, I tend to cook that way as well. And, you know, just very clean, but also um, with the best quality ingredients that you can find. Um, and that sort of carried through with me forever. Um, I'm trying to think. Sorry, there was a, a number of things you asked me in there, and I'm probably not <laughs> answering any of them correctly, but... <laughs> no, you are. And I think, you know, what you've shared with us yeah. is that um, you really love shopping farmer's markets yes. and using that to influence absolutely. how you make pasta or yep. just what you're making in general. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love going to the market. I do it every Saturday in Hudson. I'm also part of a winter CSA um, which has been kind of a bright light because it's really cold and snowy up in Hudson and it can be very isolating. And this winter CSA has meat and dairy and eggs and vegetables and it's sort of this meeting place for everyone. So it's every other week and we kind of all go around the same time and you get to see people and you get to interact with people um, and um, maybe go for a beer afterward down the road. So it's just, you know, but yes, I'm a big, I'm a big market goer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really the core of back, po- mm-hmm. back pocket pocket which we talked about earlier, which is um, it's not per se like the recipes that you know by heart that you can just pull out of your back pocket, but rather um, what's in your fridge, what's in your pantry, what's Mm -hmm. at your local farmer's market, and use that to influence what you're making for dinner tonight. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's a really fantastic approach and um, I want back pocket pasta to put people at ease like when they see that it's like oh I got this I can do that it's approachable I'm not going to get too worked up there's not too many ingredients it's just it's cooking intuitively and just feeling feeling free to be able to do that and I think it's like one of you know Domenica mm-hmm. I would love to hear from you on this since you're going to Italy you know multiple times a year but when I uh, envision you know settling in Italy, um, you know, and you know, under the Tuscan sun, as we all sort of daydream about, uh, part of that fantasy is going to you know the local market and uh, or your butcher and your bread person mm-hmm. or however they do in Italy, and, and just using that to influence how I eat. Yeah, that I, I actually do kind of shop that way even here, but yeah. um, 
your question about you know what I love about Italian food, and I have to say it's the diversity. I don't think people in this country really understand just how diverse the cuisine is from region to region. How if you're in Torino and the Piedmont, what you're going to eat is going to be completely different than if you're eating in Calabria or Puglia or even Abruzzo. Um, you know, the tomatoes are really a southern Italian ingredient. Olive oil is central yeah. and south, even though, um, I mean, it's much more north too. But it's, and it's not just northern and southern Italian. Every region has its specialties. Every region has, um, you know, special pasta, um, different meats, different way um, of, of cooking all the ingredients. Um, so that's one of the things I love about Italy. No matter how many times I've been there, I always find recipes that are new to me, that maybe have existed for centuries, but they're new to me. And I always say that Italy is a tiny country, but every region is vast yeah. because there's there's so much diversity and you know all the microclimates so the things that grow on one side of the valley you know maybe don't grow on the other it's it's endlessly fascinating for me and that's why i love going back over and over again um and that really affects the way i cook because i love exploring the different regions i mean i you know my family's from abruzzo but my maternal grandfather was from umbria um i spend i have been spending more and more time in the italian riviera in liguria which is where pesto is from but um you know in addition to basil pesto there's also nut pestos and um fish because it's the mediterranean it's the northern mediterranean coast um anchovies sardines um you know herbs i so all of these wonderful ingredients i love playing around with them um it's a lot easier these days to find really good quality italian ingredients or um you know maybe vegetables that didn't that farmers didn't used to grow like the chicories and radicchio and puntarelli and stuff like that you might see now in farmers market because there's more interest um when i was growing up i mean my mom used to smuggle big huge pieces of parmesan and i do that dozens still. <laughs> of yeah and dozens of tins of anch our favorite kinds of anchovies from italy and she would wrap all everything in our clothes you know bottles of wine um we were not smart packers i, I, I mean still we're do efficient it. packers yeah yeah i do i still bring the anchovies back yeah, yeah. um but uh you can definitely find a a lot more good Italian ingredients, cheeses and um, cured meats, um, you know, especially it, in New York yeah. and maybe um, even here in D.C. things are getting better. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I love the fact that Italian food, like you're saying, Domenica, is such a sense of place. Um, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I think that's what makes it really special. And I think, you know, for me at least, what I love about Italian food is that it's at once, you know, a very special experience, but it's also all about the simplicity and it's approachable, like both of you are saying. Definitely approachable, yes. Yeah. yeah. And so that brings us to our last question, which is... Um, you know, at Pineapple, we are very interested in access and making good food accessible to all people. We're not the biggest, you know, not not to hate. I think this is totally fine <laughs> if people use this word, but we don't use the word foodie often because it's a human experience to love food. We all love food. All women love food. Um, and so in, you know, in learning and writing about Italian food, how can we make sure that good food is available for all people? And uh, what are your favorite easy-to-make, affordable-to-cook recipes um, that express your style? 
Uh, do you want me to start off? Sure, okay. yeah, go yeah, for yeah, it. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, you know, it is it is so easy to make your own tomato sauce. I, you know, I see people buying sauce in jars, and that's just wasted money as far as I'm concerned. And mm-hmm. you can make um, your own tomato sauce with farmer's market tomatoes when they're in season. Um, you can get the big boxes of seconds or um, Roma tomatoes uh, are, are pretty cost-effective when you buy them in large quantities, and you can easily turn them into sauce. Um, You can make really good sauce with good quality canned tomatoes. So all it takes to make a good sauce is olive oil, a clove of garlic, tomatoes, salt, and maybe basil. Um, You know, I, as far as one of my favorite recipes um, that is really simple um, is a tomato, tuna tomato sauce. So it's just like, you know, some canned tuna. And I always buy the canned tuna and olive oil. So I do spend a little bit more for that, but I think the payoff is, is really worth it. Um, you just dump olive oil, tomatoes, garlic, tuna, parsley, hot pepper, and some anchovies in a pot. You don't even have to saute anything. And you cook it down into this wonderful tuna ragu it takes maybe 20 minutes and um and then you just toss it with cooked noodles and you have this really wonderful um fresh briny saucy um you know pasta dish i love tuna and pasta as well i have a i think there's a tuna and tomato recipe in my book as well um i think to if you stock your pantry with these ingredients, a lot of these ingredients are not expensive. Like, you know, yes, sure. If you have the time to soak white beans and make them wonderful, I do it, you know, when I can, but you know, having white beans in the pantry, having a can of San Marzano tomatoes, having nuts, having all these things that can sort of elevate a dish that are not expensive to buy. Um, even a humble onion, you know what I mean? Like there's a recipe in my book that I love, which is um, not really Italian at all, but it is a pasta dish, which I caramelize onions, which takes a long time. Um, People that write recipes that say it'll caramelize in 10 minutes drive me crazy because it takes 45 minutes. But once you have those onions caramelized, I toss it with um, fusilli and some feta cheese and some toasted walnuts um, and some fresh oregano and parsley. Mm. And that meal, but that's not going to cost. I mean, that doesn't cost money. It costs a little time just in terms of the onions. But if you do that on a Sunday, you know, and put them aside, you can also utilize them, you know, throughout the rest of the week, putting them on pizza putting them on a burger, however, when you, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, but it's not expensive and it's flavorful and it's not unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank you for sharing that. Um, it's certainly time for lunch because I'm hungry now. Entirely mouthwatering. Um, but this has been an incredible conversation. It's really awesome to see how we can explore pasta from all different angles together and, you know, touching on pasta on the run or, you know, back pocket pasta to show stoppers that, you know, may take days um, and, you know, embracing all of those forms uh, to, you know, being, um, you know, nimble as it comes mm-hmm. to being a cookbook author, um, food writer, uh, recipe developer. Um, and, you know, in that creative process, enjoying cooking for yourself um, as much as you enjoy cooking for others. Uh, that brings a little bit more of the food freedom into our work, um, working in food and, 
and enjoying the beauty of what is created. And, um, you know, last but not least, I think this has been um, inspiring to like get our hands dirty, exploring uh, different ingredients and bringing them together and learning from your two incredible cookbooks. So um, thank you for all that you shared uh, this segment. And to close out uh, this episode, we're going to um, do a mini Spitfire interview to learn a bit more about your personal food styles. Great. <laughs> so I'm going to kick it off and um, clue if you can answer first, that would yeah. be great. Um, a woman in food who you pine for. Tamara Adler. She, do I continue? Just a yes. little. She has a book that just came out called Something Old, Something New, and it's all about uh, revising and updating classic recipes. She's a poetic writer. Her first book, An Everlasting Meal, it was like integral to me becoming a better cook. It just talks about not wasting anything. And anyway, it's beautiful. And she's a very, very good friend. And I just think she's the best. Tamara, come to DC and work with pineapple, please. I'll, I'll get her. I'll get <laughs> if her you're here. Out there. I'll get her here. <laughs> Domenica. I'm going to say a cookbook author named Viana Laplace, who wrote some wonderful books back in the 80s and 90s. One is called Verdura, which is vegetables. And she has one called Unplugged Kitchen that I really love. And it's all about just, you know, using your hands and chopping and kneading and not taking out your, you know, food processor, your mixer. Oh, I love that. So, yeah, Unplugged I, I, I really fun. do love her books and I, I still cook from them. Awesome. Your favorite women-made food product? I am obsessed with Mona Talbot's Seeded Honey from Talbot and Arding up in Hudson. She has this amazing market. It's prepared foods, um, and she makes this crazy seeded honey. I'm not a super sweets person, so the the poppy seeds and caraway seeds um, are sort of stirred into honey, and it's insanely delicious. Oh, I've never heard of that. That sounds wonderful. It's so good on buttered toasted bread. Mm. <laughs> okay, so woman-made food product. I'm going to give a shout-out to my friend Francesca Dinicio, who produces a small-batch olive oil and wine in Abruzzo. She was actually just in New York a couple of weeks ago. Her distributor brought her over. Awesome. She makes wonderful Montepulciano d'Abruzzo red wine. And um, her wine got written up in the New York Times not too long ago. So she's finally getting the credit she deserved. But she sort of took over, you know, her grandmother made olive oil and uh, when she was little. And she just has this love of the land and of this craft. And she's, um, you know, Bruce was a pretty economically stressed out place. But mm -hmm. I love, she's this young woman, you know, young mother. And she's managed to create this wonderful business through um you know what she loves cool beautiful that's inspiring mm -hmm. um all right next question your go-to pantry and or fridge items we'll do two in one kalu you first i have been using a lot of preserved lemon uh, lately yes um putting it in salad dressings i did a stuffed clam recipe with it i've just Yum. been like playing around with it um and I just love it. It gives everything sort of like a floral note, but it has that great acid at the same time. Um, putting it in soups and stews, it really is pretty versatile. So I've been using that a lot. Um, and then also fresh herbs all the time. I have flat Italian parsley, I mean, and cilantro and chives pretty much all, all year round. Um, I just think that adding fresh herbs at the end um, of the dish just adds this additional layer of brightness. 
um, which I thoroughly enjoy. Awesome. <laughs> what about you, Domenica? Uh, well, I uh, my most recent book is a book called Preserving Italy, which is all about Italian preserving t- traditions in the kitchen. And one of the recipes in there is um, pepperoni agrodolce, so sweet and sour roasted peppers. And I always have a jar of those on hand. I put them on pizza. I put them in pasta. I put them on crostini. Um, they're a great side dish to roast chicken. I'm never without them. They have garlic and capers, oh. and you know they're just packed in olive oil, and they're so I tasty. I know my mouth's watering. <laughs> I want that right now. <laughs> um, and then I can never, ever, ever be without a big piece of Parmigiano-Reggiano yep. in my fridge. Mm-hmm. So um, that's my, those are my two yeah. go-to items. Awesome. All right, next question is your favorite pasta shape and sauce combination. I love fusilli lunghi, which is the long... So in the supermarket, it's very hard to find. I mean, unless it's like a specialty store, but um, supermarket fusilli is kind of short. But fusilli lunghi, lunghi means long. It's this long sort of like twirled, elegant... Jerry curl pasta. Jerry curl pasta. (laughs) I was waiting for you to say that. Um, And I love it. Um, and I think Balducci's has it, um, Rusticella da yes, Bruzzo. Yes. I have it. I have it at home. Just it's hard, you know. It's a little more expensive because it's a nicer brand. But um, they used to have it in the supermarkets when I was a kid growing up because we had it, and my mom was certainly not buying, you know, fancy pasta. But um, and I love that with like a, I love that with a, with a Sunday sauce, a traditional ragu. It's Delicious. my favorite. It's like and with lots of. I love Parmigiano Reggiano, but I also love Pecorino Romano, and that's. Uh. Yes. I love it. So with that. Nice so. salty bite. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I brought a prop, so I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, uh, even though we can't see it, we can hear it. It's called a guitarra. And, oops, I'm going to just strum it. I love it. Mm-hmm. So just this, to describe this, it looks kind of like a lap guitar, but it's all wood. Yeah, it's a wooden frame, and it's got wires strung across um, both sides of it. So you can cut so pasta cool. wide or pasta narrow, but... Um, you make kind of a thick sheet of pasta and then you roll it on this guitarra and the wires cut it. Um, so you get kind of a square cut noodle. And it's just a really um, nice sort of hearty cut. And that goes beautifully again with like um, Calusid with a nice um, ragu, so, uh, which is a nice hearty meat sauce. And that's probably my favorite. <laughs> My favorite. So we yeah. both meat meat yeah, sauce. Meat. We ended up with meat sauce. It's not to love about that. Yeah. 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 Ultimate comfort. Yes. Okay. So last question for you: Where can our audience find you? Oh, um, you can find me at Kalu Henry on Instagram, um, and my website is also kaluhenry.com, and my email is kaluhenry at gmail.com. Fab. Would love to hear from anyone. Yeah, and um, my website is domenicacooks.com. On Instagram, I am at domenicacooks. And um, you can find me, um, well, at domenica at domenicacooks.com. And and I, too, would love to hear from other Italian or anyone um, who loves pasta. (laughs) Whoever loves Don't have to be Italian. (laughs) Reach Um, on out. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, thank you to everyone who is tuning in. We're here live on Full Service Radio every other Friday at noon. And you can access each episode after it airs at fullserviceradio.org. Be sure to follow Pineapple at Pineapple Collaborative on Instagram. And if you've got any suggestions for women or women-made products we should feature, send us a DM or email us at hello at pineapplecollaborative.com. 
Thanks so much and see you in a few weeks. Thank you.